And then from that point, I couldn't go back to sleep. So then I just got in the Word, worked on my message, and came up here at like 6 a.m. and started moving things and getting things set up and ready. And then went back home at 8 a.m., fell asleep. <laughs> oh, yeah, but I was also like nodding off and sleeping. You were. But yeah, so it was an awesome night. It was good. Praise God. My son had a great birthday party. But did you know what it means to be adopted into the kingdom? What's it mean to be adopted? The word says that we are adopted into the kingdom, into God's kingdom, into sonship, into being a joint heir. You know, the word says that we are priest. Did you know that? We. It's not about going to school and getting a degree. The Word qualifies you. The Holy Spirit qualifies you. He does the qualifying, not man. The Word says that we're more than conquerors in Christ. Joint heirs, citizens of heaven, kings, sons of light, the salt of the earth, it's who we are. It's who he's made us to be. He made a way so we could be engrafted in to his kingdom. One with him in oneness with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. A good friend of mine named Roberta shared something with me this week and it really spoke to me. And I'm going to read it to you. During the time Paul wrote this letter to the church in Rome, parents were able to legally disown their children for a number of reasons. Did you know that? Some of you do because I've been so excited about it. I've shared it with you already. <laughs> but they were legally, I know that's not something to get excited about, but they legally could disown their kids for anything. So if I wasn't excited about how the birthday party went last night, I could just say, Josiah, get out of here. You're done. <laughs> yeah. Like, they literally could just pick and choose whatever they wanted to do with their ch children and just disown them. What's he say? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But through adoption, if the Jewish, in the Jewish culture, if they were to adopt, when they were adopted and brought into the family, they had access to all their rights, possessions, everything that they had in abundance, and they could never be disowned. They immediately had access to all the rights, possessions, and wealth their new family had. In the same way, God has chose us. And we have access to the same things because we are sons and we've been engrafted in. We've been adopted into sonship with the almighty king, the creator of all things. How beautiful is that? Oh my gosh. And how it just, man, I tell you, he, he amazes me more and more. 
and just how it all lines up with that throughout history and throughout the Jewish culture and like the wedding that Hayden was talking about if you really dive into the wedding you'll see that it lines up perfectly with the, the end times and what we're going through right now and it's a big wedding feast and waiting for a ceremony for this wedding that's coming for the bride to be married back to his king to be united as one that's what's taking place right now we're being cleansed from the old mindset and our minds are being renewed to the newness of who we are in him and who he's made us to be for this wedding day that is drawing very near we are royalty church we are we're royalty Whatever lie is coming into your mind right now, take it captive and cast it out because that's not of him. You are royalty. You've been made righteous, holy, beyond reproof in the eyes of our Father. There's such equality in the kingdom of heaven. When we are born again, Jesus says, I'm sharing it all with you. Wow. Luke 12, 32. That's where I'm going. Do not be afraid, little flock, for your Father has chosen gladly to give you the kingdom. You might sometimes feel so vulnerable and overwhelmed by the odds against you, like a fragile little flock of lambs amidst the wolves. Because that's all we hear, you know, are the wolves barking through the news and the media and all the junk and the garbage that's out there, right? unless we're in the word and we let the Lord speak to us and he confirms who we are in him and we begin to see ourselves in the word as in a mirror you have nothing to fear it's your father's delight to give you the kingdom the kingdom freely Revelation 3.11 Do not let, let tough times make me seem distant from you. I'm at hand. See my nearness, not my absence. And don't let temporal setbacks diminish your own authority either. Remember that you call the shots. You wear the crown. My crown endorses your crown. Let nothing take your crown. You have a crown of righteousness on top of your head that he placed there. We're not waiting for him. We're not waiting for him to show up. Tiff, I don't know if you were in my notes or what, but I know you weren't, but everything you were talking about was like spot on with what I'm about to say. It's awesome. That's so good that you hear from the Lord like that. I mean, we both do. Like, we're flowing in a vein together. What a beautiful masterpiece the Lord is constructing, you know? Because we're not waiting for him for the promise. Like, we're not waiting for it. He's He's already got it figured out. He's got the perfect timing. He knows when to release it. He knows when it's going to be released. He's in the waiting. He's in the waiting with you. He said he'd never leave nor forsake you. 
some of us are in a season of waiting. Probably most of us, probably all of us, actually. We're always waiting on something. You know? He's in the waiting. Just as Mary and Martha waited for him at the tomb when Lazarus was dead, he sat with them, he weeped with them, he met them where they were, and he waited. Tribulation produces perseverance. Perseverance produces character. And character produces hope. We all have something to hope for. Even you guys. I know you guys are younger, but you guys have the same things that I'm speaking about this day. There is a God that is for you that's so excited about you and to build a relationship with you and to walk out through life with you and to teach you and to comfort you through everything that you go through from this moment on into the, dis into the future. Revelation 1.5. He is the King of kings, the Lord of lords. We say that so cliche. He's the king of kings. But who are those kings that he's king of? Us. <laughs> it doesn't say he's the king of slaves or the king of sinners or the king of adulterers, liars, and thieves. He's the king of kings. He's made us kings, joint heirs. Adopted into a sonship. From now on, we do life from a different perspective. From this very moment, our perspective shifts from being a no good, rotten, dirty sinner to being a son that's been adopted into sonship that's righteous and holy beyond, repute, beyond reproof because of the Holy Spirit that has cleansed us, that has made us righteous in God's eyes, that is living and abiding inside of us and all around us. For we are free to be children of an almighty king. Out with the old and in with the new. <laughs> It's time to be compassion-driven, just like Jesus was. He was driven by compassion. He had compassion. Compassion-driven and sharing and giving. This takes hoarding out of the equation. Get, get rid of the old, worn-out performance-based ideas. Instead, become creative in the adventure of trading with, new, with a new kind of idea. One that is loaded with heaven's currency. A treasure which cannot be exhausted since it cannot be broken into a stolen or neither can it be ruined by moths. The stuff you've been hoarding before are clearly targets and I'm guilty of hoarding stuff. Material stuff, you know, having that perspective. I'm sure we all are, but it's not, a, it's not who we are. That's the world. Luke 12, 21. This is the typical dilemma of a person 
whose treasure is reduced to his own ability to accumulate things for himself in order to define him, rather than discovering his wealth in God. He announces the new dispensation to conform that the old covenant system has been rendered redundant. That is Hebrews 8.13. I know I'm going, I've got a lot of scripture, guys. And then 1 Corinthians 13.3. And if I dispute all my possessions to the poor and give up my body to be burned, but I am not love-driven, it profits me nothing. It all stems from love. Does anybody know the verse, Hebrews 11.1? 1? <laughs> Faith. Close. Faith comes from, you guys know it. Faith comes from hearing and hearing the word of God. Actually, I'm wrong. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. That's 11.1. What is it? Is the other one? Yeah. Yeah. That's right. So now faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the evidence of the things unseen. Faith brings the unseen into the scene. Faith confirms a confident expectation and proves the unseen world to be more real than the seen. Faith celebrates as certain what hope visualizes as future. 2 Corinthians 16 through 18. Therefore we do not lose heart, but though our outer man is decaying, yet our inner man is being renewed day by day. For a momentary light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison, while we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. So we got to look into the invisible by the presence of the Spirit. To draw things into reality, the things that we need, you know, the things that, the vision that he gives us, the dreams, these promises. We begin to visualize them like Tiffany was saying. We begin to have vision in our mind's eye in the unseen. We begin to thank the Lord for the unseen before it manifests, because that's faith. Yeah, yeah. So faith is the substance. Everyone say it, faith is the substance. Faith is a substance. I'm just going to stop right there. It's a substance. You know, there's two different kinds of bodies. 
Bible talks about two different kinds of bodies, celestial and, tel- uh, how do you say it, telestial? Sel- yeah. There are celestial bodies as well as terrestrial bodies. The glory of one differs from the other. There are skin bodies and spirit bodies. This is uh, 1 Corinthians 15.40. It's talking to us spirit bodies and fleshly bodies. For we know not that if the earthly tent, which is our body, which is our house, is torn down through death, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands. It's eternal in the heavens. That's 2 Corinthians 5.1. Angels don't come, angels appear. Does that make sense? After the resurrection, Jesus didn't come, he appeared to the disciples in many different ways. You know, sometimes they didn't even realize it was Jesus, you know, and he was sitting there sharing with them truths and they didn't even know it was him, but he had appeared as someone else, you know, they didn't recognize him. And Jesus even says, uh, when he appeared, he said, touch me. The spirit does not have flesh and bone, but they could still touch him. So there's still like, there's still a body. They could touch him. They could touch him with his hands. And I don't know. So, but what that does is that explains to us that he was substance, but not matter. You know, because everything is built up of matter. You understand what matter is? Matter is substance made up of various types of particles. But the spirit is just substance. Faith is substance. So let's say a chair, for instance. The chair, uh, let's see, the chair is, it's sitting in its substance. The material is substance. The chair is hoped for. So it's hoped for of the evidence of the chair not yet seen because of the material. So at one point it was just material. It was just fabric. But the chair you're sitting in is substance. The material is is the substance of the chair hoped for, of the evidence of the unseen chair that you haven't seen. Yeah, that makes sense. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. 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 So we take the material and we make the chair. But then the chair is also matter. Jesus appears in a substantial body without matter. So he could appear and disappear. He's there and there. That's why in Hebrews 12, 2, it says, Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us also lay aside every incumbence and with the sin which so easily entangles us, and let us run with the endurance the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Fixing on the author and perfecter of our faith the author and perfecter of our substance of faith. 
who the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. If Jesus is the author of our faith, he started our faith, which also means he's the finisher of our faith. <laughs> yeah. That's why Paul says, therefore, from now on, we recognize no one according to the flesh, even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him in this way no longer. And yet Jesus said, I am flesh, but it's a different flesh, spirit. The word became flesh and lived among men. That's substance and matter. He was substance and matter, but then after the resurrection, he was substance. And now he's the author and finisher of our faith. Now I can look at this Jesus. I do not know after the flesh, but yet I do know after the spirit. Because he made a way. I can look at him and get the substance of things hoped for because of knowing the realm where he dwells, everything comes from there. It comes from the realm where God said, let there be and there was. Where he spoke things into existence. In the same chapter, Hebrews 11, four. By faith, Abel offered to God a better sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained the testimony that he was righteous. God testifying about his gifts, and through faith, through his deed, he still speaks, or through his, through his death, he still speaks. If you don't know the story, Cain killed Abel. And then his blood spoke after he was on the ground, pretty much. But by faith he offered. Abel offered through faith. Everyone said it takes faith to bring an offering. It takes faith to bring an offering. It takes faith to bring an offering. Anything you've ever went to give as an offering, it took a form of faith to give that offering. Are you guys tracking with me? Maybe this will help. Money, oh, I should have grabbed a wad of cash out of the register. That's not gonna hold it up. But money is the substance of things hoped for, okay? It's the evidence of things not yet seen. Money is in the natural as what faith is in the spiritual. That's why in Matthew 6, 24, Jesus said, you cannot serve two masters, God and mammon. He's talking about God and money. Because both are forces. Now, money is a tool that we use, but faith is our assurance. It's not the money. Faith can only be used as a believer. 
Because if, if we turn our eyes to money, then we're worshiping and turning the money into an idol rather than our king. Money is the, it's the same way. You can't eat money. You can't drink money. You can't make clothes of money. You can't drive money. You can't fly money, like fly in money. Does that make sense? So money is the substance of things hoped for. Money is the evidence of things not yet seen. We needed chairs. We needed sound equipment, lights. You know, whenever Tiff and I had it confirmed that we were supposed to start a church, we needed all these things, right? So she wrote a list of what we needed. And she was like, God, if you really want us to start a church, then you're going to provide these things. Wasn't even a week later, and a good friend of mine showed up, and his name's Don Henson. He's sitting right here in this chair. And Don comes in, and he says, hey, I've got a friend that has some chairs. I'm going to go get them for you. I didn't have time to ask him what they looked like, what kind of shape they were in, or nothing. He just took off. He says, I'm going to grab a U-Haul, and I'm coming back with some chairs. He didn't even know that we were thinking about starting church. But you're sitting in those very chairs. And there's even more back there in the back room, 110 of them. So then Don brings back the chairs. I love that guy. Don, you're amazing. <laughs> yeah. And he brings back the chairs and he's like, and I'm blown away. I'm like, oh my gosh, God, you really do want to start a church, don't you? <laughs> and uh, the next morning we have men's group in the conference room. And Don has the number of the guy that had the chairs. And so I call him and I just, I want to thank you so much. You know, this is confirmation. We're supposed to start a church. And he's like, hey, you know, you're welcome. Why don't you come back over here? I've got a few other things you guys might be able to use. And so I was like, okay. So we go over there and he takes me into the sanctuary of their old church. And he says, you see all these lights? You see the sound equipment, the drum set, the bass guitar, soundboard, all this stuff. You guys can have that too. Yeah, that's faith. We had faith and he provided it. He does it all the time. <laughs> yeah. He's made a way for us to, it's just like how he likes to intertwine with us and, and do life with us. He's excited about it. He's excited about us to believe in him to provide a need that is in the unseen. says it's impossible to please God without faith 
we're saved by grace through faith. We all have the measure of faith. That's in Romans 12, 3, I believe. Here, I'm going to look it up for you just so we all are on the same page. For through the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think, but to think so as to have sound judgment, as God has allotted to each a measure of faith. 12.3. His grace gift inspires me to say to you, that your thinking must be consistent with everything that is within you, according to the perfect measure of faith that God has apportioned to every individual. Let the revelation of redemption shape your thoughts. So we use our faith, the invisible force of substance that can bring invisible stuff into matter. So hypothetically, I pray and I have a mental picture. In fact, I have a mental picture and I've had this mental picture for a while now. There are two doors right here. There are two doors right here. They walk into the building next door. And I have a mental picture when we get through those two doors that all these chairs are going to be in there. And I'm sharing that with you so you believe and you see those doors that are standing there as well. (laughs) And I thank him for the unseen. Lord, I thank you for those doors that are going to be right there. I thank you for the church building that's going to be there. I thank you for what you're going to do in that building, Lord. I thank you for what you're doing, Lord. I don't have it all figured out, but he does. And he likes using his kids to do things through faith. Thank you, Lord, for the unseen. We thank him for it until it becomes seen. We don't get tossed to and fro. Be like, oh, I don't see it. It's not going to happen. That's not faith. We don't get tossed to and fro like the waves of the sea. We remain steadfast and focused. We just thank you, Lord, for what you're doing. And sometimes other people's Actions can come into play and they can redirect some situations. It happens, you know, because we all have free will to choose. But when that happens, God always opens up a whole nother door that's always greater than the one that you thought you were going to walk through. He does it every time. Every time. I've seen it happen time and time again. He's that good. It's because we're sons. Amanda, was it you telling me about the sons and daughter thing? Yeah, share that real quick with you because I'm not going to say you guys are daughters anymore. (laughs) Because of Amanda. 
Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> right. So in the Bible, we are called sons. And um, we were talking in small group on Wednesday. And I said, I don't want to be called a daughter anymore. Because um, back in the time, um, the daughters didn't have, like, they weren't heirs to the promise. So if you had a family... <coughs> And they had a son and a daughter, and the son passed away, and then the parents passed away. The daughter was not an heir to anything that the parents had, because that was their culture. And so, as a son, I am now an heir to everything that my father has, so I don't want to be anything other than a son. (laughs) Oh, so good. I say, if you think about like the daughter's role in like in a f- societal view or like a family art structure, is to be given away, right? The daughter's role is to be given away to join somebody else's family to bear kids for somebody else's family. But you, you like when you get married, you take on the last name, you take on the ownership and the family of the one that you went to. Right. And but as sons, your job is to be and to inherit and to produce and to continue. And so that's what I mean, it's the same type of line. I've always been on the same vein. (laughs) Yeah. So if I can be a bride, you guys can be sons. The ladies can be sons. So then we take a visible a viable force like money and we sow it like Tiffany was saying earlier you know we have to sow to reap a harvest it's just like planting a seed in the field a farmer plants seed to reap his harvest we have to sow you have to yeah if you're having financial struggles you need to sow that's radically changed Tiffany and I's life through sowing there's sowing and reaping it's a principle, it's a law in the un- that God has created, sowing and reaping. But you sow it somewhere, and whatever I sow, I get a harvest from, every time. So I say, so now let's say I sow for my needs, whatever my need is, I sow something. We know, he knows what you need before you need it. But we must activate it through steps of faith. Through us stepping out in faith by sowing into whatever it is. No, it's not just money. It's your, it can be your, your time. You're just serving, helping somebody. You, know, you could be giving food to somebody. There's lots of different things, ways to serve. Just loving on somebody, praying for somebody, stepping out whenever you feel like the Lord is leading you to step out is serving his kingdom. Yeah. Because a farmer sows for a purpose. He sows to reap a harvest. There's actually a difference between sowing and giving, but we'll get into that later. Philippians 4.19 And my God will supply all your needs according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. (laughs) 
Let's say I only have $200 and I sow it to somebody for a good cause or whatever. And uh, so then I just, I begin to, there's something like, let's say the building next door, you know, Tiffany and I have been sowing into the building for a long time now, all different ways. Believing, pouring, praying about it, having vision about it. You know, and there's many other people in here that have as well. We've all been talking about it. We've even sent a paper this last week to the city about it. <clears throat> but eventually, through all the sowing, they'll come and harvest. That's how faith operates. We always have to have faith for the next thing. I can't use yesterday's faith for today's things. For today. It doesn't even have to be about things, you know. It's just faith in general. That's why the word says the righteous shall live by faith. It doesn't say we'll live by cash. We'll live by faith. He supplies our needs. It doesn't say we'll live by Herod, the government. We'll live by faith. You know, there was a time Tiff and I were on food stamps 10 years or so ago. And if you are, I mean, it's not a big deal. It's just what it is what it is. But the Lord spoke to her and he said, uh, you need to get off food stamps. It's holding you back. So we got off of them. And it was hard in the moment, but it was a step of faith. And from that moment on, we've never needed them ever again. He's always provided. But it was an illusion that we were believing, that we felt like we needed, because that's what the world says. Faith is always in operation. Thank you guys for sowing into the church. So many of you pour into the church, pray for the church, tithe to the church. Thank you for coming alongside and seeing the vision and being part of the vision that God has placed here and part of the body and what he's doing. You know why we don't pass a bucket around? <laughs> There's probably a lot of people that wonder that. Because I don't want to force anyone to give. Because we should give out of the goodness of our heart. Not because there's a bucket being passed around and you feel pressured to put money in a bucket. Because if you're going to give that way, you might as well just keep your money because you're going to need it. If you're giving out of a reluctant heart, you should just keep your money. Yeah, because you're not stepping out in faith and you're not sowing that seed in faith. It does you more harm than good to sow a seed in reluctancy. That's why we do that.
I mean, there's a box up here. But this would be a good tithing message if I was given one. <laughs> you start passing coffee cups around. <laughs> I mean, we as the church have needs that need to be met. But God, ultimately, God provides the needs. God provided the church. He wants the church, so he'll provide the need. He provides for the needs. And if he uses you to do it, praise God. You know, if, if you're feeling like you want to sow into the church, praise God. Thank you. But Jesus is the substance. He's our substance. He's the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of everything the prophets foretold in history. He's the substance. The unveiling of Christ in human life complements, <laughs> completes, sorry, it completes our every expectation. Again and again and again. It doesn't stop. Hebrews 11:2. people of previous generations received the testimony of their hope and faith. It was faith that made their hope tangible. Only the Messiah can give substance to the Masonic hope. There is no other substitute that can be enough. Colossians 1, 27 and 28, to whom God willed to make known what is the riches of glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. We proclaim him, admonishing every man and teaching every man with all wisdom so that we may present every man complete in Christ. Your faith is complete in Christ. You don't have a different level of faith. You have God's perfect measure of faith. His perfect faith. It's not yours, it's His. First um, Colossians 27. He is the desire of humanity and completes its every expectation. Him nor is the kingdom hiding in history or in outer space nor in the future, neither in the pages of scripture. He is merely mirrored there to be unveiled within you. The kingdom is inside of you. It says the kingdom is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Where's the Holy Spirit? It's inside of you. It's inside of you waiting for you to let it out. We are the kingdom. We are the kings of the kingdom, the sons of the almighty king. We are the kingdom. Jesus came preaching the kingdom. He didn't come preaching religion. Religion hung him on a cross and beat him to death. He came preaching the kingdom. This is the essence and the focus of our message. We awaken everyone's mind, instructing every individual by bringing them into the full understanding, flawless clarity in order that we may prove present everyone perfect in Christ. Ah, oh, so good. Your completeness in Christ is not a remote goal, but your immediate reference. 
My labor now exceeds any energy that I previously knew under the duty-driven DIY law of willpower. The do-it-yourself. He hasn't forgotten you. He's never left you nor forsake you. The Lord wants to infuse hope into your heart. He is with you in the waiting. He's with you in the waiting. No matter what you're facing, God wants to infuse hope. Some of us in here right now are persevering or going through stuff. If that's you, you stand up. I'm going to pray for you. If you're in the waiting, stand up. I want to pray for you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. We bless you, Lord. We worship you. Lord, we trust you. We trust our lives to you. We trust you, Lord. You are our trust, our firm foundation. You are the King of Kings over all things. Mm, thank you, Jesus. We trust you. We trust you, Lord. We trust you with our perspective, our new perspective, our new mindset. We trust you with our finances. We trust you with our health, our family members, our relationships, our marriages. We entrust you in the waiting, Lord. Whatever it is that we feel the need to wait on, we trust you with it. You are the trust. Today we choose faith. We lay down all of our circumstances and we choose faith. We lay down all our situations and we choose faith. We choose you, we choose to trust you. We lay them down, Lord, and we trust you with them. You make a way when it seems like there is no way. You sustain our faith, our perfect faith. We choose faith over fear. Faith that we are yours and you are mine. You are the God of our perfect faith. We have faith in who you are, that you are the God of every situation. We choose faith. We choose you. We choose to rest in you, to trust you. We are people of faith. May hope arise, hope arise, hope arise in you. Right now, hope arise in you. Mindset take place right now, new mindset, new perspective. The season you're in doesn't define anything. He defines you. You have been defined by him and him alone. You are the refiner and the defender. 
of our hearts. And we thank you, God, for the adventure that you have us on. We thank you, God, that we're not just sitting and st or just we're not just standing or sitting still waiting for you to do something, God. We are walking in the promise. We're walking in that adventure, God. Yes. That every step that we take, we're hand in hand with you, and that we're not just sitting back waiting and saying, God, when will you do something? God, you're doing something now. Yep. That's You're doing right. something today, Moment to God. moment. We yes. receive the promise that you said it will happen. You said it. You gave it to us. Remain it's your promise, in faith. God. It's not just something that we wished up or, 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 or we want to happen to benefit ourselves, God. It was your promise that you gave. Yes. Those who are waiting on the Lord will be filled. So thank you, God, that we find joy in it. <laughs> yes. That we don't get, that we're not sad, that we're not moping around, that we're, we're yes, not asking count it all God, joy. when will you do it? We're saying, oh, God, there's so much joy in walking with you. <laughs> yes. And when we get to the promise, God, I'm so excited to see what your next one is. <laughs> That I won't take it for granted, that I that I won't just call it common. Thank you, God. 